Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Show to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday uh, here on WFLA News. I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. When we aren't when we aren't on air, check out all of our socials at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, pretty much anywhere there is a real estate or anywhere there is a social media channel, we are at the Duncan Duo. So check us out, follow us. Uh, get up-to-date real estate news and trends, statistics, as well as some contests where we're regularly giving away things like uh, signed lightning jerseys and uh, tickets and, and all kinds of cool stuff. You see our new TV commercials, which I'm pretty excited about, um, and um, you know, you'll see those on there as well. So I want to start off uh, this week's show talking about why people are moving to certain cities and leaving others. Um, look, it's there's no question it's been a, uh, a, a really polarizing year politically. A polarizing year uh, with with uh, you know COVID nineteen, it's been um, you know j- just a lot of different things have happened, um, and and that has allowed uh, kind of a migration, so to speak. Right, we, you've got this trend where people are um, able to work from home, uh, and and it's it's certainly happened in both of our industries. I mean, For a lot sure. of my meetings now, the majority of the people are zooming into the meeting instead of coming in person, and I want. I was really excited because I felt like the trend was getting back to the point where right. we had more than half the people in the office and then everything started again. Everybody's back home again. So, you know, but but that's just the reality of the situation. So, um, you know, the 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 new normal, I guess you could say, is going to be a lot more Zoom, a lot more teleconference. And that allows people really to live anywhere. Yeah, and it, I think you're you're dead right. We were moving towards this trend where, and you were starting to see a lot of businesses and bigger corporations announcing back to back to office plans and everything else. And then with this new variant, it's starting to get so. So now it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Does this become more permanent? You know, is this something we're going to deal with with a while? But uh, you know, we've talked a lot about you know people moving to different places and migrating at different parts of the country. But uh, I think we're so, going to see it continue. So, so the areas where uh, people are moving to. Um, you know, there's an article out this week um, that, uh, th- you know, that touched on this and to rank them first, first on the list was Riverside, California. Now, being a guy that spent a lot of time in Southern California, Riverside is kind of out in the burbs a little bit. You know, it's out east of Los Angeles um, and uh, a little bit more country, a little bit more land, a little bit more house for the money. So so I think what has happened in you know Los Angeles and San Diego, for example, is as as so many of these large businesses in their downtown metropolitan areas have allowed people to work from home, people have said, you know what, do I really need to pay LA prices? Uh, I can still be close enough to everything I want in Riverside and I can get more house for the money and you know different types of things. So there's there's been a migration into uh, areas where homes are more affordable. Um, there's a, in local areas as well as nationally, there's been a migration from people that have moved from up north or out west down to Florida. Um, so when you look at this list, um, the second on the list is Lakeland, Florida, with a uh, median home price of uh, 287,000. So when you look at Lakeland, um, you know it, it's a destination not just for people moving from Tampa and St. Pete and Orlando, right. um, but it's also a destination for people moving from all over the country. They look and say, okay, well, I, I want something maybe a little bit more rural or, or suburban, uh, but I want to be an hour from the beach 
right. or 30, 40 minutes, maybe 45, maybe an hour, maybe 17 hours on I-4, <laughs> um, depending on when you go. Um, but but I want to be close to, um, you know, these areas. Right. Um, and they look at it on a they, – they've never experienced I-4. They look at it on a map and say, oh, it's 32 yeah, miles. Straight line. But right. they don't realize yeah. in I-4 language, 32 <laughs> miles is 19 hours. So, But, but no, in, in all seriousness, you, you have this growth that's happening in some of these areas because it's affordable. The climate's good. Uh, a lot of economics growing. Um, you know, and then follow it on the list. You have uh, right after Lakeland, you have Myrtle Beach. Uh, with an average sale price of three thirty six nine fifty, you have Las Vegas, which was surprising to me. That is surprising. at three ninety nine nine fifty, and then you have Tampa uh, coming in. Um, what was it? Fifth on the list. One, two, three, four, fifth on the list at uh, three forty nine seven hundred. So the 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 outlier there to me was Las Vegas. So I did a little bit of research trying to understand why are people what's the draw to Las Vegas? A lot of people from Los Angeles are moving to Las Vegas. There's a lot of entertainment people. Um, that are that are uh, moving to Las Vegas. Uh, it's cheaper. Um, you know, the, there's a thriving nightlife. Everything is very compact there. You know, you look at the Strip and downtown, whereas LA is very spread out. So it's more affordable. Um, you've got you know you know just just a, a much different place. But I believe that that's drawing a lot of people. Um, I also think you've got people that 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 are. Um, you know, maybe maybe um, you know a certain segment of the population is going to to Las Vegas because of the nightlife and the entertainment. They they've missed out on so much of that, right? right? We've spent a year and a half locked down. We've not been able to go to concerts. We've not been able to go to this stuff. So they say, okay, well, if I'm not going to be able to get to do as much of this, at least I can go watch the Bellagio fountains. At least I can watch those the night. You know, I mean, that's what I think. I think it's a, a you know being deprived of nightlife and entertainment people are going there because they figure there's at least still some of it going on and when it ramps back up they'll have an overabundance of it that that was my analogy yeah and you can certainly get uh, your fair share of that in las vegas yes and make yeah. up in, fair in share of a whole time. lot of other things yeah, you know so. like that, some of it comes home with you so um so nonetheless when you look at the other parts of the list you look at tampa and i i don't i, I believe that tampa's draw is is more of a national draw well, I look at I look at some of these and I feel like people are moving from closer areas to it, like Riverside. Right. I think the migration for Riverside is from Los Angeles, so, yep. you know, in San Diego. I think the migration to Tampa is from all over the place, you know. So so we're getting this population growth that's fueling our real estate market. So when I hear people talk about a bubble or fear, what they don't understand is that even if they're even if things do slow down nationally, um, they're not going to slow down locally. There's just too many people moving here, too much demand, not enough supply. We're at 0.6 months of inventory. Uh, you know, I mean, that's unheard of, right? right? And it's because all the people moving here, um, all the people here that want to buy and stay and put their roots in, there's just so many things drawing people to Tampa Bay. That's why we're one of those top five, you know, um, cities while still being a big city. You yeah, know? I mean, we they're coming from. I can tell you because you know we talk to people every single day, just as you guys do, coming from, and it's all over the country. I mean, as far as California, where it used to be, it wasn't all that common that we would get somebody to move from California, you right. know, to Florida. Um, but now, now they're coming in droves. Right. So, so here, so let's go to the it, the list of cities that are losing population. <laughs> Number one on the list, New York City, <laughs> right? Like the old, the yes. old salsa commercial, like really. Uh, not a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that people are leaving New York City. You have, um, you know, the the very expensive, 
uh, very dense and and compact. So people afraid of coronavirus, or you know, it, it was a rampant. It was, it was ground zero at the beginning, right? Right. And and congested, um, expensive, and uh, let's face it, their local politicians have made decisions to require vaccines and masks and lockdown. They're they're very stringent, and you know what? Uh, from an economic perspective, it is not a surprise to me that people are saying. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. And, you know, in the past, I think so many people lived there and were there because you needed to be there because that was the epicenter of the financial world. That's another world. big part of it. Now, everything now they had to remotely. be there. But, yeah, but now that it's spreading out, everyone's like, you know, see, I'm out. If I don't need to be here, I don't want to be here. And I think that's a lot of, of the reason you're going to start seeing it. And maybe it's more exacerbated than other areas. Yeah. And I think that um, – you know, when you when you look at New York City, like you mentioned, there there is that, you know, you don't have to be there now. Everything's right. remote. I think there's the expense aspect. People can, um, you know, another big part of it, though, taxes, you know, uh, state and local and city income taxes. So people are giving away, especially people that can live anywhere. CEOs, people that can run their businesses from anywhere are giving such a large portion of their money away. And a lot of the benefits that you get from living in a city like New York, um, Broadway, the parks, the infant, all that's closed. So it's like all those things that you're, you know, people are willing to pay a premium because, hey, I'm in New York City. I'm in the heart of everything. I can, I can go do some of this. So, so much of that is changed, sheltered, closed, not operating at capacity. So it's like the premium that you would pay to live there. Similarly, Los Angeles, same thing. Another that's number two on the list in terms of uh, cities that lost the most residents. New York City lost. Um, what was it? Um, it didn't say, but they're they're you know median home prices and all that are softening. Los Angeles, San Francisco, Silicon Valley's San Jose, California. Right. That makes logic. It's a tech you know people in the tech world they don't have to come into the office you know like we we can zoom in, and Washington D.C. All major major cities. But you know what it, you know what is a really clear thing to me. So all those areas have more likely to have local and and state income taxes, right? They're also cities that are more likely to have been um aggressive in their in their um you know in their pursuit to shut down covid. Yeah, the more mandates. masks, more quarantines, more shutdowns. So you have so again, naturally uh, in a country that has uh you know has a beloved uh, attachment to freedom. When you start telling certain people that they can or can't do things, they're going to leave. They're going to go places where maybe there isn't that kind of a restriction. And I'm not saying one or other is right or wrong. I'm simply saying that math doesn't lie. Stats don't lie. They're facts. People are leaving those areas and coming to areas that aren't as, um, you know, locked down. Um, the only exception on that list, because Riverside isn't as bad as Los Angeles, you know, in terms of it's it's a, it's a little less, um, you know, that that side of things. And Vegas, kind of. But, I mean, when you look at Lakeland, Tampa, Myrtle Beach, those, those are areas that are much less likely to have COVID restrictions. So, right, yeah. So that has caused a migration of a lot of people. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting, to, you know, how it'll all play out when you look at some of those big cities like – you know, obviously, I know people that are that talk about COVID right now say, oh, this is going to be forever. And, you know, now it's going to be like, you know, people dramatize it. And and maybe New York City and Los Angeles and San Francisco will take a hit on population for a little while. But it's still New York City. It's still Los Angeles. Right. It's it'll still going to be a draw. Come back. It'll, it'll come back. Yeah. So so, you know, I view like some of those areas as like really smart value plays for real estate investors. Sure. You know, it's hard. Like when people come to Tampa and they say, oh, I want to invest. I want to buy in the market. Prices are rising so much. It's like you're not getting a deal here. Right. You know, you're just not even for motivated sellers they are going to get retail price. You know, I mean, it's just so easy to do that. But 
the deals are in some of those cities that are losing population where maybe a little while longer and you'll be able to kind of catch it on the trough. So smart real estate investors are paying attention to that. And if you're a smart real estate investor, I would encourage you to think about the same thing. You know, we can help place you. If you if you do uh, need a recommendation for an agent, we can we can recommend an agent. We can refer you to an agent in any of those areas um, and and help you help point you in the right direction, because I think that. Um, you know, there, there are people out there right now that may say, you know, maybe I am interested in buying a condo in New York for when the market bounces back. Can you refer me to somebody? We would love to do that. You can hit us up info at the or any of our social channels, send us a, a direct message and our social media guru, uh, Z will respond and get you uh, in touch with the right agent in that area. So we're going to uh, continue our conversation. We're going to talk more, um, about first time home buyers. Um, it's a it's a really challenging market for, for first time sure. home buyers. It's just it's really really hard. So we're going to give you some tips on how to succeed as a first time home buyer uh, after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage at the Duncan Duo Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. See my little TikTok dances. Sort of. I don't really dance. I just kind of walk. Right. I don't. I don't. I you don't do dance. have a nice strut, though, about you when like you my do strut? it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's coming with confidence. I like it. So. All right. Cool. Cool. So anyway, hit us up on social and uh, first time home buyers. Um, you know, it's interesting because it's a market where you want to encourage first time home buyers to buy because interest rates are low because prices are just going to keep going up. It's going to keep getting more expensive. And if first time home buyers buy, they're going to get that equity gain, you know, and, and they're, they're, you know, it's just, so you want to encourage it, but man, it's so competitive that first time home buyers that don't have large down payments right. are really struggling uh, to compete. It's very, it's very difficult out there right now for them. And yes, especially if they have, you know, a typical first or historical tip, you know, first time home buyer with limited down payment resources and everything else. And, you know, if you're trying to use any sort of the programs out there, down payment assistance, a lot of even FHA, you know, people are just FHA, which is such a great program for first time home buyers, is now all of a sudden in this marketplace, get people that aren't interested. And even though we can get them done just as quickly and just as, as fast, it's, uh, you know, it's it's tough out there. Yeah. And I think that uh, the, the other part of the first time home buyer equation for people is, you know, not only are they up against cash. They're up against higher down payments. It's just a really tense process, right? You don't have a lot of time to think about things. You're rushed into decisions. You have to make a quick decision. You can't negotiate much. You don't have a whole lot of remedies for if there are things wrong with the house. You know, and and let's face it, buying a home is the uh, probably one of the most stressful things that you're going to do. It is extremely stressful for people. And so for someone that hasn't done it, they get spooked. And and so they get spooked and then they walk away. They spend a few hours like, oh, I'm scared. They go home. They talk to their husband for four hours or they talk to the wife for four hours. And later that night, the house is gone. They missed it. Right. You know, because there just isn't any room for debate, discussion, delay or error in a market that's this competitive. So first time homebuyers get discouraged. They bounce from the market. They miss out on things. And so, you know, that, that I think is something that is very um, challenging 
that that people aren't prepared for the emotional aspect of having to go through buying a home as a first time home buyer in a market that's as intense as this. Yes, it, it sure is. And there's so many things that you're doing when you're buying a first time home. Maybe you're moving, you know, you're moving to a different neighborhood, moving a different state across the country. You know, kids in school, all, all sorts of different things that come up. So there's a lot, and what, that's why it's so important. And I know we we kind of bang our fists on this all the time about working with a professional full time real estate agent um, and and working with a you know experienced lender that can help hold your hand through these processes because there are going to be questions you have. And you need somebody that's a professional to help guide you through it to mitigate some of that stress. There's still going to be some of that there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, but to help you kind of walk you through some of those things that maybe you don't quite understand and they can help you through. Yeah, and I think that, the, you, know, a lo- you know, working local, working with a local agent that's experienced, working with a local lender, uh, getting all your ducks in a row, all those things do matter. But, but I also think just take a deep breath. Yes. You know, take a deep breath. Listen to the advice you're getting. Um, the real estate agents, you know, that are giving you this advice, it's not, they're not pressuring you. If you pick a good agent that does a lot of business, they're not, they're not in it for the money. They're gonna, they're they're making plenty of money. They're just giving people good advice, right? And so when you get up against this, you know, kind of cringy thing to to make the decision, you just you, it, the reality is, is you just don't have much room for delay, debate you know, indecision, negotiation, it's, you know, it is what it is. And so knowing that ahead of time will prepare you because I I can't tell you how many times we get calls into our office from clients that are working with us and they say, you know, they're upset because a home or not clients that are working with us, clients that even sometimes working with other agents, a house that we put on the market gets a bunch of offers. It goes really fast. Well, I was going to make an offer tomorrow. Well, 27 other people made offers. You know, you just, you you called, you're on the phone with me right now. You could have, instead of calling me, spent the time to make the offer. You know, it's just, there's no room for procrastination, you know, and, and people are missing out on the right home for them simply because they're just not prepared. Yeah, and in the past, maybe a lot of people that, that like that may, are slower in making decisions. There's a lot of people out there thought of when you get this kind of high pressure to make a decision moving forward, they thought it was like a high pressure sales tactic or yep. kind of a slimy move. And now it's just because that's what it takes in order to get ahead. And yeah, so, our, you, the agents have to coach you like that because right. otherwise, if they don't, then after the fact, well, why didn't you tell me? Right. Why didn't you do everything you could do? And 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 they had to pressure you because that they just know they've lost out on so many. Right. And, I mean, I could tell you story after story after story of buyers who have um, procrastinated and missed out on the right house and then regretted it and then been upset that they weren't pushed harder, you know? So like right now you just have to push, you know, really, really hard to, you know, to, to make that happen. And it's just the reality of it. So, so again, you're listening to Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on 970 uh, WFLA News. When we aren't on air again, follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo, theduncanduo.com. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We'll be back. We're going to continue this conversation. What we're going to talk about next, we talked about the statistics a little bit. We talked about trends. Um, but but And, and we, we literally talked about if home, first-time homebuyers are getting priced out of the market because that's something that's that's um, you know continuing. We're going to talk a little bit more about that after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show. Are first-time homebuyers being priced out of home ownership? Yes. I mean, yes. Factually, they are. Are they being completely priced out? I guess it would depend on how much money they have, how much money they make, you know, what what kind of financial, uh, you know, position they're in. However, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't buy. Um, but there are buyers that are are getting forced out, you know, and and that's just a reality of a hot real estate market. 
It's a reality of waiting. So many first time home buyers that we talked to today were like, well, I've been, you know, I looked a little bit last year and, you know, I just, I kind of stepped back and right. you missed it. You, you lost 30 grand because by doing that, you know, like prices went up, you know, so, so if you are in the market, look, we're going to be in this rising price market for a while. It's just the reality of it. It, it, it it's, it's going to keep going that way. Okay. In Tampa Bay. So if you are thinking about getting into the real estate market now and it's going to take you a year before you buy, you're going to lose a lot of money. I mean, right? Price, price is going to go up and interest rates potentially. Yeah, interest rates could go up. I mean, prices are going to go up. So, it, you know, if you have the option of not waiting, you shouldn't wait. You should get in there. It, it, you know, we talked last segment of how people get frustrated and sometimes just kind of take a step back and say, no, you, you got to keep at it. Stay patient. Like you said, take a deep breath and keep going because the reality is you're going to pay more for the same house next year than you would today. It's going to be in there. If you if you don't have the means to do it today, because maybe you've been priced out, you got to save more money. You got to do different things. Start making the steps now, because it's a year from now. It's not like it's going to be much easier, or much different than it is today to be able to. So you got to make the decisions in your personal and, life and to here, do that. And and here's the other part about this that I think um, you know matters when it comes to you know making this decision and prices. Um, when we talk about first time homebuyers being priced out of the market, um, in Really high price cities, definitely happening, right? But here's what's happening. You take New York City. Our first time homebuyers priced out in New York City and Los Angeles, you bet you bet they are, okay? But what are they doing? They're moving here. Right. They're moving to Lakeland, Florida. They're moving to Tampa, Florida. So, so in reality, um, you know, their income stays the same. In fact, it may go up because now they're not paying state and local taxes. So, you know, when you're in a market where prices are like this and in an economy – and in in job market where people can work from home more, the first time home buyers aren't priced out of the market as much here, um, you know, because it's more affordable. But secondly, um, it makes it more competitive because people with higher incomes in other parts of the country are moving here, right, and have right? more money, right, that have more money than you. So it doesn't mean you're priced out of the market. It just means your offer can't be competitive enough because somebody with cash or a higher down payment. So it makes our market more competitive. And it does it does drive prices up. Yeah, but it, it, is it getting there? Of course. Yeah. And one thing I you know, I, I'd caution people and say though is make sure you do the math and the numbers behind some of this. Cause some people just assume they've been priced out of the market. And you know, on a first time home buyer, you can get it as little as three percent down. You know, if pricing went from 270 last year to 300 this year, which is very realistic numbers, it's going to be there. That's a $30,000 increase. But 3% of the down payment, that's only $900 more of a down payment that you need to make. So don't just magically assume that, oh, I've been priced out of the market because it's been so robust. You know, we've talked to people about that and they say, oh, an extra $1,000, no problem. I can make that happen or get a gift from mom and dad to be able to do so. Make sure you're actually doing the math behind it and talking to someone that can work the numbers for you. Yeah. And I think the other side of the the equation for first-time homebuyers, the, the, you know, how competitive it is, and a lot of them that are bouncing aren't necessarily bouncing, like you said, because of the of the right reasons they're bouncing, because that's what they hear on the news, right? because of fear, yeah, it's because they've been shut out a few times and they can't handle rejection. Look, if you're a first-time homebuyer and you're going to buy a home in Tampa, um, plan to be rejected a lot. Plan to be the guy from high school that asked every girl to the prom, <laughs> right. okay? Like, plan to be that guy. Plan to ask every girl to the prom 
before one of them finally says yes. And and if you go in with that kind of a mindset, you're going to get a house. If you go in and you say, well, I'll make a couple offers, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll move on, then you just might as well move on because that's what's going to happen, especially as a first-time homebuyer or a low-down payment first-time homebuyer. It's just it's super competitive. It's going to stay that way. First-time homebuyers are going to continue to struggle competing with people that are moving from other parts of the country that can work their New York Wall Street job from their condo in Tampa and pay more money, pay more down payment, or pay cash. And your FHA loan is just, you know, we, we had an agent today, um, you know, we or this week, we have our team meeting. And this agent says that they made 27 offers for an FHA buyer, 27 for one finally got accepted. So you're going to need that kind of persistence if you're going to succeed as a first time home buyer in this real estate market. Yeah. And I would encourage you to have that persistence because as much as we're talking, it is going to be difficult and challenging. It is still possible. It just may take a little bit longer. You're really going to have to have a professional real estate agent with you looking, searching. You're going to have to do more work than you've done in the past, but it is possible. And we see it every single day. First time home buyers still are buying homes. Yeah. So I want to transition to another topic that's kind of uh, top of mind for everybody right now that that pays attention to the news at all. Um, the um, the eviction moratorium. We've talked about it a lot and it, it is back. You know, I still struggle with the whole idea that the real estate market in our country can be regulated by the CDC. Right. Centers yeah, for Disease yeah, Control. How they're making it this just, decision. Right? It, it does not. It. I just... I will still can't understand why isn't this housing and urban development? Why isn't this this you know the CFPB? Why is it the <laughs> CDC? Like I could understand if the CDC gave guidance, right? And then HUD said, you know, we're we're housing, so we're going to listen to the CDC and we're going to put this thing in place. I don't. I just can't put my head around how the CDC is now the real estate regulatory body. What I want to see next, I think this would be like a wonderful reality TV. I would really like to see HUD come out with some, um, you know, health right, recommendations. The vaccine. You know, let's <laughs> let's have HUD work on the vaccine now. Let's yeah. have HUD make some decisions about real estate and interest rates and, and all this stuff. So I just I just think it's it's very funny. It does so seem backwards. It's it's laughable to me, but but look, it's going to get argued about. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. It's going to get fought. There's going to be all kinds of legislation over whether or not it's legal, whether or not it should be. And so the the you know, when you look at it from that perspective, um, this is what we have to deal with. You're kicking the can down the road. All these people are going to eventually get evicted. And I think a lot of people think that when that happens, you're going to see a a, a, a surge of homes for sale. And I think you will see some. But I think you'll see just as many just turn right back into rentals. You know, like landlords um, that, that do it right, they use 1031 exchanges, they roll over their money, they reinvest. They're landlords for a reason. They want to keep being landlords. So I, I will it increase our inventory for sale some? Of course it will. I mean, will the foreclosures increase the some? Yeah, it'll increase it some. But 0.7 months of inventory. Yeah, not, not six not. months. Six months of inventory is a balanced market. Right. That, that would require a 9x yep. increase in homes available for sale with our current demand. I don't believe that there are enough uh, foreclosures and people needing to be evicted that will then turn around and sell those homes to 9x our inventory. I just I just don't see it 9x happening. So will it help some? Yeah. Will it bring more inventory? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. 
but it's but it's not going to somehow cause some sort of you know drastic change. I hear people saying like, oh, when the moratorium's listed and the foreclosure start, our market's going to crash. Right? No, it's not. Well, and no, so many, not. so many of the real estate investors, because rents have gotten so high as well, right? Along with price, and there's so much demand for the rental market as well. Even if they end up evicting people, a lot of times they're probably going to keep the house, be able to relist it for rent, have ton of demand, and raise the amount of rent that they're charging from there, and it, it'll end up being you know a win for them in the long run. So, and, and on that same on that same point, the the you know when you talk about the nine X thing, right? Like a lot of our even even if it nine X's, which it's not going to. Okay. Right. Even if it nine X's, how many homes do we get 27 offers on? You know, I mean, like, think about how many homes that we get so many would, would a nine X increase in inventory. Really? There's so many buyers that want to buy. Right. Like, I mean, would it explode our market? Probably. Are there enough buyers to gobble up that inventory? Probably. So, so this talk about how, uh, you know, these things are going to somehow cripple our real estate market is, is just false. There's one, in my opinion, there is one thing and no, let me rephrase that. There are two things that could make a massive change in our real estate market. It's not the eviction moratorium. It's not, um, you know, tenants, you know, uh, getting kicked out. It's not foreclosures. You know, the two things, in my opinion, are um, interest rates rising. OK, like a, some sort of drastic change, which. For all intents and purposes, everything that we read, all the research out there says that's not happening. I mean, if it, they go up, don't get me wrong. Interest rates always go up. I'm talking like a huge increase, like doubling or something, going from three to six. Yeah, that hurt the real estate market. But from three to three and a half or three to 3.75, which is probably the likelihood of what we'd see, it ain't changing much. Right. Um, the only other thing is like, you know, force majeure, you know, natural disaster, or, you know, terrorist attack, something like that. Those right. are the only things, in my opinion, that are going to derail the, the the pace that the real estate market has right now. Yep. I, the only other thing that I could see, and believe you said natural disaster, weather event here. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Like a cat fire, hurricane, hurricane. Yeah, hurricanes. That could, but, but even the hurricane would only hit a local area. Right. The right. likelihood it would not it would not market. have a massive impact on Very on a on a large scale. I mean, t- Tampa might get hit, and then Orlando's fine. You know, like so so those things could have local impact. Um, you know, but but realistically, I just don't see much besides one of those two things. Um, you know, having a major impact on the the trajectory and the pace of real estate sales and home value appreciation. It, yeah, just, and it just didn't happen. And you're hearing the truth here. And, and and I will warn you, the media out there has gotten this wrong most of the time. Every little article that goes out there where it's... it's the me- the media is wrong. They don't have all the data. You know, I'm just. Are you serious? I honestly, I watch the news and I literally just spoon feed my everything they say. I just believe it is fact. I sit there every night. I watch it and I just. I'm amazed at how how factual and honest right. the news is. Well, I just get I no get, matter the station. No I get station. I get stunned on a you know a tick lower on one little you know one month you know statistic that comes out and they say oh is this the end of the housing yeah you know market are, are we in a bubble is the crash here, you know, all these different things. And they're, I mean, listen, they're doing their job. They're, they're writing so they get readership and they do that. Through right, fear. right. That's what people don't understand. Like the new, all, all the news stations have their own angle. And, and the purpose of news, it's it, it loosely it's called news. Right. It, it shouldn't be called news. It should be called like advertorials, right. like because the purpose is to get people's eyes on it. And you know what? 
Sunshine and rainbow doesn't get people's eyes. Unfortunately, right. people are motivated by, more by the fear mongering than they are by positive news. They just don't watch the positive news. They watch the scary world's going to end. Market's going to crash. That's what gets their eyes. So anything the news can twist into something like that will get more viewership, more listenership, more engagement than, hey, everything's amazing. <laughs> right. You know, and a good point on this, you know, and, and then we'll, we'll jump to break. But, um, you know, when when the real estate market uh, two year pre covid, we had a huge surplus of Canadian buyers here. OK, we've sold a lot of homes to Canadians right now. It's not much because right. everything is going on. We don't see a lot of Canadian activity. Uh, I think it'll come back. You know, it'll come back for sure. But the number of homes being sold to Canadians in Florida is, is drastically low. However, every Canadian that would come over here, the only thing they wanted to talk about was hurricanes because that's what hits the news. The one or two hurricanes a year that hit our coast. They see it on the news. So they think every day is a hurricane. Like they're running out to the beach and every, like, that's what they think. They don't show sunshine and rainbows on the news every day in, in Canada, eh? They show hurricanes, <laughs> right, yeah. eh? Right. You know, you don't see that. So, so the reality is that because it's, it's a negative thing, you know, it scares them, it spooks them. So that's all they see on the news. They don't see all the good stuff. So they come here and they're like, what about the hurricanes? I'm like, man, we haven't had a hurricane hit here in like forever. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't right. know, like maybe South Florida, but that's, well, you know, and, and they don't understand the geography. I'm like, that's right. like six hours away. Like, yeah. you're fine. You right. know, so, so nonetheless, we're going to wrap uh, with, we're going to jump to a break. We'll be back on the other side after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan joined by uh, Mike Oregon with Cross Country Mortgage. And look, we talked in the last segment about the eviction ban from the Centers of Disease and Control. <laughs> Centers for Disease and Control just still is the oddest thing ever. Uh, but nonetheless, we have an eviction ban right now. You can't be evicted. Uh, tenants can't be evicted. And, um, you know, people can't be, uh, you know, foreclosed on. Right. So because of that and because of what's happened the last two year, few years and the pent up demand for vacation travel, uh, I feel like we've seen a surge and an increase in people buying homes to rent them out via Airbnb or buying condos. And again, I want to preface this. A lot of communities don't allow it. A lot of cities don't allow it. They're regulated. You pay different taxes. It's more complex than it is with a normal rental property. But um, when you don't have the long-term tenant type stuff, you don't have the eviction obstacles, you can turn people over. There are a lot of people buying rental properties right now instead of putting long-term tenants in them because of all the eviction bans, they're doing Airbnbs. So if you are a cash type investor and you want to buy properties and make cash flow, it's a way a lot of people are turning to right now because they don't want to get stuck with somebody who doesn't want to pay. And then they got they can't evict them and they make no money, but they still got to keep making repairs. You know, with an Airbnb, they're in and out. You got their credit card. Right. It's a different process. You know, it's more it's more regulated like a hotel than it is a long term rental. So it's not considered your home. So the eviction rules and the way to get people out is different. So so again, um, it's it's a very viable alternative for people. You know, it does require a little bit more active management. Sure. There's a lot more you have to do. So, but that's that's the you know the 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 trend that a lot of cash flow investors are going towards right now. But again, I want to preface this. You have to be very, very cautious. There are a lot of places where Airbnbs are a nightmare. You can't get them approved. HOAs don't want to do them. Um, you know, you, you've got to buy properties that are in good shape. You can't buy stuff that's fixer uppers and not fix it up and Airbnb it, or you're going to get bad reviews and then you're not going to have people rent your stuff. 
Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of the, you know, out near our beaches in, in Pinellas County, there's a lot of areas where you can only rent a certain number time of years, you know, as well to people. So you can you can rent your property to whoever you want for as long as you want, but you can only do it three times a year. Right. So, for instance, Treasure Island's like that. So you wouldn't be able to turn people over in Airbnb. Now, do people do it? You know, yeah, probably. But the reality is it's not allowed and, and things can be there. So there's different rules. So make sure not only you're, if you're in a condo, the association, or if you have an HOA, even if it's a a neighborhood, but the local city municipalities, all the rules that are there before you decide to invest all your money. Yeah. And and I think the other side of it is make sure you have a plan for how to manage the property. If you've got sure, a full-time right. job and you're there Monday through Friday, yeah. nine to five, you've got to have it set up the right way. Right. But, but I think the key to Airbnb success is that you can't just like, I've owned a lot of rental property. At one point I had 20 properties, right? And, and so when you own long-term rentals, um, you can own properties that aren't perfectly turnkey amazing houses. You're just getting less for rent. You're getting a different a different kind of tenant. With Airbnb, it really does have to be like cream of the crop. Yep. It's got to be well maintained. It's got because if stuff goes wrong on a 3-day stay, you don't have a lot of room. You know, if if you've got a, someone living in your place for a year and they know they're getting a pretty good deal and something goes wrong, it takes you a few days to fix it. They've been there a year, okay. But like if someone's only staying in that property for 3 days and something right. goes wrong, that's a problem. And they expect you, know? you there and somebody immediately yeah, or to they get want to we, right. you to not charge them. You right. know, like imagine you go into a hotel and the TV doesn't work. Right. You want a break. You want yep. a discount. AC doesn't work. Right. You want a discount. You know, so so there's there's so much about the Airbnb side that that is that is more uh management driven, but it can be super lucrative. And and it doesn't it isn't doesn't have the same exact regulations that long term rentals do from a from a um, eviction standpoint. So a lot of investors are starting to look at Airbnb as, as the way to be the the new landlord, you know, kind of a new landlord philosophy. Yeah, it's just a, a different way to go about it. There's a lot of positives and negatives with anything short term yeah. or or long term rentals. Just make sure you're doing your due diligence, your homework, like we always yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, and again, do not make the assumption that Airbnb is allowed. Make sure you explicitly confirm. Do not rely on your real estate agent to tell you whether or not an Airbnb is okay, because a lot of real estate agents don't know, don't know. And they don't have rental properties and they just assume. So make sure you like, that's one thing as an investor that I can't say enough about. Like there are a lot of real estate agents that have never invested in real estate. They don't even own their own home, you know? So like, if you're going to, if you're going to invest in something, do your own due diligence, you know, take what the real estate agent says and listen to it, but verify, you know, go, go and double check, call the homeowners association, do a Google search, Going to Facebook, are people talking about the community? Is there right. is there a way you can confirm that it's okay to do that there? And so many people don't. Then they get bit, and then they say, "Oh, well, my real estate agent, you know, yada yada yada." Um, but I I do believe that if you pass to being a traditional homeowner, if you decide to be an investor, you have to understand that due diligence is your responsibility. Far too often, people want to play the blame game, right? When something goes wrong, and they want to, oh, I didn't know. Well, you should have. You're going to spend that kind of money. You, you need to do your own due diligence. So do your own due diligence. Research, verify, double check, especially when it comes to Airbnb. But again, a very viable investment alternative yes, right now. it can be super now. lucrative. Super lucrative. So, so um, again, you've been listening to the Dunkin' Do a Real Estate Show here in Champa Bay. And uh, we hope you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. And thanks so much for tuning in.